0: hey welcome to the relentless positivity podcast from your host joe martin got a very compelling story for you guys today so my guest today she was living the dream but it quickly became a nightmare Uh, she had just given birth when all of a sudden she was completely paralyzed and fighting for her life and this is her story of surviving a rare autoimmune disease and how now she is helping others holly francis welcome to the show
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on today.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate you being here. So I just want to hear the word and your story. Can you kind of tell in your words, your own story?
1: Yeah, definitely. So this was about 12 years ago that this happened. Uh, So I was 26 at the time and I was at home, completely healthy, uh, basically recovering from giving birth. So I uh, had a wonderful pregnancy, had had given birth, um, had a c-section with my daughter. We named her Casey and life was just like perfect. I was at home. I, I, as I said, I had a C-section, so I was recovering and just at home. And I, I live in Canada. So at this time it would have been uh February and it would have been very, very cold. And so literally, like we hadn't really left the house much and just adjusting to being a brand new mom and getting used to waking up in the middle of the night and all that stuff. And but I was loving it. And like I said, like my my life truly was on track and everything was going perfectly. And then suddenly, um, it was on February 22nd, a couple weeks after my daughter uh, was born, i had this really strange tingle in my fingertip. And at first I thought that it was like maybe a pinched nerve or I had burned myself and I just kind of ignored it. Uh, but then a couple hours later, I had a uh, basically this weird, strange pain in my neck. And so I thought maybe that I had like slept on my neck wrong or something. And again, just tried to ignore it. Uh, but the pain just got worse and then as I was walking up the stairs that night my legs felt really heavy and uh, again just kind of thinking like do I have a pinched nerve am I getting the flu kind of what's going on here but you never think that it's anything serious you think that you'll be fine and so I just brushed it off and uh, I went to bed that night thinking that I would just take some pain medication I'd wake up in the morning and be fine but I couldn't sleep. The pain was so severe and it was just getting worse and worse. And so I was like massaging my neck and doing all these different yoga poses on the floor. And it just nothing was helping. And this tingling in my hands was getting worse. And my daughter woke up in the middle of the night. And it, this was at a two in the morning or so. And I stood and I actually fell to the floor. So my legs completely gave out on me. And that was when I kind of knew like something's wrong. So I was able to stand back up and kind of lock myself in place and, and I was able to walk but it just everything felt so weak and so hard so I knew I needed to go to the hospital so I had my husband at the time drop me off because I didn't want my newborn in the ER basically and sure. so he dropped me off and I yeah I had no idea that that was going to be the last time that I would actually step foot out of the hospital for almost three months. Wow. Yeah, so I went into the hospital and I was basically seen by a doctor immediately who who kind of recognized what I was going through and said, I think you have Guillain-Barre syndrome. And I know you're probably like, what's Guillain-Barre? I had never heard of it either. Uh, most people have never heard of it. And I, I was just kind of dumbfounded and just said like, what is that? I need to go home. Can you give me some medication? I got to get back to my baby. And he said, you uh, need to be in the hospital, you need to be admitted, and we're just gonna monitor and see how things go, cause this could be quite severe. And so my family rushed to the hospital and uh, he basically told me that GBS is a rare autoimmune disorder. So it's very similar, similar to uh, multiple sclerosis. And it basically paralyzes your body and to varying degrees. So it, it could be just weakness um, and it can travel up your body. And just basically, we don't know what to expect. Um, So again, I was just traumatized, like just terrified, like what is going to happen to me? And I, I didn't know. And I was just very afraid. Uh, but everything just very quickly progressed. And within 72 hours of arriving at the hospital, I was actually paralyzed completely and it traveled up to my uh, diaphragm and I could no longer breathe on my own and I was basically rushed to ICU.
0: Goodness that's like my worst nightmare being paralyzed <laughs> is my I you're a physical person as well um I can't imagine so what you find they just you feel it traveling it up what, what was your first thought when you're like oh my gosh I am I'm paralyzed
1: it was just so surreal it just it, i felt like i was in a movie truly yeah. because it just it, these things don't happen to you right like mm-hmm. they only happen to other people <laughs> and so it just it was so scary to me and i think i was also in denial cuz i kept saying like i'm going to be better tomorrow i'll be fine like i i have to get back to my life and like they just kept telling me that like we we just don't know what's going to happen and they wouldn't come out and tell me like what was going to happen. They didn't tell me what the prognosis looked like. Nobody was really giving me answers. They just said, let's take it one day at a time. But all of a sudden I'm in ICU and I can't breathe anymore. So I'm breathing on a ventilator with a tube down my throat, can't breathe, can't move, can't talk. My family's all there. Family members are rushing by my side. And so for me, I truly believed that I was actually dying and I thought that I was on my deathbed. I was trying to say goodbye to people and they kept saying, no, like you're gonna get through this. But it was so hard for me to really believe them that I was ever going to get out of there.
0: Man. Uh, so we heard a, a lot about ventilators during the COVID times when pandemic was going mm-hmm. on. What What's it like being on? You, I have never really spoken to anybody that's been on one. What's it like being on the ventilator?
1: It is so traumatizing. Oh. It truly feels like being uh, underwater about to run out of the air is pretty much exactly what it feels like. So the breaths are very mechanical. You feel like you can't make the breath move, but then all of a sudden you get this breath given to you by this machine. And you're wondering if the next one's going to come because you feel like you're struggling for air. And so the anxiety being on a ventilator is like anything I've ever experienced, had to be heavily medicated, um, especially because of the pain as well. I was dealing with a lot of nerve pain. Uh, So yeah, it was just awful. And every day was like a nightmare. And it just continued on and on. Every day I woke up and I was in the exact same condition. And nothing ever seemed to get better. And my daughter was there. I was very fortunate. They brought my daughter to be with me so that we could keep that connection. And they were putting her on my chest. But I mean, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't breastfeed her. I couldn't bottle feed her. I couldn't hold her in my arms. I couldn't even say I love you to her. So I was very, very devastated and very, very just broken for a very long time, thinking that I was never going to be able to get to be the mother that I had always wanted to be. Oh
0: my gosh, I can't imagine not being able to breathe on my own. I think I'm dying. I, I'm putting myself in your shoes right now. How did you keep going?
1: So definitely, my daughter uh, was my reason, and just wanting to get back to my own life as well. Like I, I had friends and family that I wanted to get back to. And uh, the nurses and the doctors actually plastered my walls with pictures. And so that was a huge motivation, just seeing myself and who I was before. And then, of course, my daughter being there, obviously, like I I just knew that I wanted to get back to her and and be that mom for her. Uh, But it was really hard. Like I was dealing with severe pain. I was also medicated that was causing a lot of nausea and vomiting and anxiety and Just nothing was getting better, like the days were turning into weeks, and there was no improvements, and uh, I just had no hope. Um, Eventually, the doctors actually reached out to another GBS survivor who had recovered and brought him into the hospital to see me. And so when he walked into the hospital, that was a huge inspiration, just to see that there was somebody else out there going through what I had gone through and he had recovered, and he looked like he was completely healthy, and so that was a huge motivation for me to just keep going, knowing that someone else had done it, and that maybe I could too.
0: Yeah, there's so much power in that. When things seem impossible, be like, wait, well, if this dude did it, then I could do it, right? So exactly. that's, huge. that's a great idea by those doctors. Shout out to those doctors. That's a smart move, right? I there. know, so, I know. So I mean, there's for all this stuff. I mean, the paralyzed thing, the the breathe. All this seems. Awful, awful, awful. But for you, what was the hardest part? I mean, there's a lot of bad going on there. What was the worst part for you?
1: The worst part was definitely the ventilator, just being on the ventilator, struggling to breathe, not knowing if I was ever going to get off. Uh, They kept telling me that eventually I would get off. My lungs would be strong enough to be able to work on their own. But to get to that point, I had to learn how to breathe without the machine and build up to that point. And so when we started, it was 15 seconds off breathing on my own and my lungs were so weak that I couldn't even breathe, and it felt like I was going to die. It felt like I was hyperventilating, so I would be crying and begging them to put it back on, and we would, and they would say, good job, you did it, and it was like, that was 15 seconds, and in order to last basically 72 hours, that's how long I had to to go without the ventilator before they would take out the trach, which is the ventilator tube in my throat, and so it just seemed impossible to me. Like it just, if I I could barely do it for 15 seconds, I didn't understand how I was ever going to be able to do it for 72 hours. And it just seemed so unattainable. Uh, but this other GBS survivor, he actually brought me a sign and it said, um, courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes it's the quiet voice at day's end saying, I'll try again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it was so powerful. He taped it to my wall right in front of me and I would just stare at it. And Like literally I had nothing else to do but stare at this picture. And it just was so powerful. I would just remind myself, you know what? If I can't do it today, I can always try again tomorrow. So I would continuously meet with the respiratory therapist who would take me off the ventilator for a minute at a time. And then slowly every day, it got a little bit better and it got a little bit easier. And eventually I could do a couple hours and then six hours and then 12 hours. And after about, well, it was 70 days being on the ventilator that I was finally able to get off it. And I was moved out of ICU and I was on my road to recovery.
0: Wow. that's There's power in sticking to things, but man, I can't imagine just 15 seconds, how far you imagine yourself having to go, but sticking with that, that's, that's amazing right there. But how about now? Are, are you, are you okay now? You seem okay right now. Are there any kind of lingering effects you've got?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, after I got out of ICU, um, it was still a long road. I mean, it's not just you take out the ventilator and your back's normal. I was yeah. still very paralyzed. And so I had to, Basically, I had to learn how to do everything and strengthen my muscles. So I lost about 30 pounds of muscle while I was hospitalized. And uh, basically, like, I was so weak that, like, I couldn't do anything. So I had to learn how to hold cutlery and strengthen my muscles to be able to feed myself and hold a cup and eventually hold my daughter and just worked at it every day in my hospital bed. Event. And eventually, I was able to get out of bed. Get into a wheelchair, and so that was a huge turning point as well. Just getting that uh, that flexibility to move around and, and not have to just be bedridden. Uh, and so then from there, it was just working on those leg muscles and exercise and just continuous work. And again, I struggled a lot during that period as well, just wondering if I am I ever going to get out of this wheelchair. But at the same time, I also knew what I had just overcome, which was overcoming breathing, which I thought that I was never going to be able to do. And so I always had that in the back of my mind that, you know what, I just learned how to do something impossible. I can do this. So I continued fighting and eventually I got out of the wheelchair and moved to a walker. So I got around for a little while and then moved to a cane. And then at that point, I was able to go home. And so I went home when I was... After about 126 days, my daughter was like almost six months old. We lost out on so much time. But I'm so fortunate now that I have made a complete recovery um, through a lot of hard work. And I'm able to basically do anything and everything that I could do before and more as well, because I've really pushed myself. So I have a little bit of lingering issues like I have Uh, some fatigue, and I I get some nerve pain from time to time, but it really doesn't hold me back in my life. Um, I've learned to really listen to my body. Uh, I fell in love with fitness after that because of going through physiotherapy. Uh, Before I had GPS, I actually never really exercised. It just wasn't really my thing. Uh, But then when I did physiotherapy and saw how much improvements you can make with hard work, and not only that, it just made me feel better overall, it, it helped with my mood, and it it just helped with my strength. And uh, yeah, I ended up basically getting into the best shape of my life. And now fitness is such a huge part of my life now. And I think I'm just so grateful that I can use my body in a way that I sometimes didn't know if I would be able to do again.
0: Wow, if anyone can appreciate it would be you. Right. And that's and when you, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Right. That's like there's some 80s song
1: about that. So. Exactly. <laughs> it's so true, though. Like you don't you truly don't. And like even just breathing like it's a simple act of breathing. I'm so grateful for and walking, obviously, and, and running and being able to exercise my body. When I was at the um, rehab hospital where I learned how to walk, I was in a ward with um, basically patients that had spinal cord injuries. And they would never walk again. They were in wheelchairs. And I, I became very close with these people. And so knowing that I had the ability to use my legs and I had that ability to go to the gym after I recovered, I just knew that, you know, I have to use my abilities the way that I can because there's so many people that that can't.
0: Wow. Yeah. So let me ask you, so with GBS, sometimes it's caused by infections. Do they know what was caused? Was, was it an infection from the C-section? Did they know what caused it?
1: They Yeah, they don't know for sure. Um, there's a lot of things that they, they see happen that trigger GBS. So in GBS, like I said, it's an autoimmune response. So basically anything that causes an autoimmune trigger could could happen. Uh, so for me, I had uh, my daughter. And so childbirth can be a trigger uh, as well as surgery. And so I had the C-section. So they, they say it could be either or. Given the timeline, it's probably likely that it was kind of maybe a mix of both.
0: Yeah, man. That's scary right there. So let I mean, you've shared some great takeaways so far. What's some more kind of takeaways from this whole experience that you've, uh, you've gone on with the rest of your life for?
1: Oh, just, you know, how short life really is and how quickly it can change. Like I went from being a new mom and completely healthy with no cares in the world. And then 72 hours later on a ventilator fighting for my life, not sure if I'm going to ever be a mom. And so now I just have a lot of gratitude um, just knowing what I'm capable of and knowing how short life is, is that I just go after a lot more things that maybe I wouldn't have before. Like, for example, after I recovered, you know what, I wanted to climb a mountain. And so I I did that because it was something that I just thought would be so amazing to achieve, but something that I probably would have never done otherwise, because I would have just thought, I'll do it later. I'll do it in five years from now. We'll get to it eventually. But now it's just like, I kind of got this sense of urgency that you know what life can change any second and so you just got to go after the things now while we have time absolutely that's cool which mountain did you climb uh, i live in uh, edmonton in canada so um i quite actually climbed actually quite a few so
0: oh very cool yeah, yeah right in the rocky cool. mountains so yeah. I mean, life is too short. Why not? If you want to do something, why do you want to wait? Go ahead. Exactly. Get, get done. Yeah. exactly. So uh, there's probably someone listening right now that's going through a hard time. It it may not be an autoimmune disorder. Those are pretty rare, but they're going through hard times. What would you say to that person? I mean, you, through, so what you told me, that is my absolute nightmare. So, man, see, if you can get through that, what would you tell someone going through a hard time right now?
1: I would say a couple things uh, that really worked well for me. I mean, one, that, that sign that I said, that courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes it's the quiet voice saying, I'll try again tomorrow. And that has stuck with me through everything uh, in my life after going through GBS is that, you know what, we all go through hard times, but you just have to keep trying. You have to keep moving forward and just making that promise to yourself that you will never ever give up on whatever it is that you're working towards um, or whatever, like whatever you're trying to improve in your life. And then the other portion is just, you know, that connection, that person, that man coming to see me in the hospital, was such a turning point for me realizing that there was somebody else out there who had gone through what i did and recovered Uh, i think that's universal so no matter what it is that you're going through i'm sure that there's somebody else who may have maybe going through it as well right now or has already overcome it and they can be uh, a huge inspiration to help you get through those hard times i encourage people you know like don't go through your hard times alone it's very challenging for me. I wouldn't have got through ICU if it wasn't for my family and my friends and that connection uh, with that other GBS patient. And so sometimes you kind of have to reach out to other people and find that strength with others when you don't have it within yourself. Absolutely. That's great advice.
0: So you're, you're paying it forward now. So you wrote a book about your experience and you're helping other people that are going through this because maybe you can't walk into their room, but they can, they can get your book. So tell us about the book.
1: Yeah, so I've been writing the book for five years. Um, After I recovered from GBS, everyone was reaching out to me going like, Oh, my God, what was it like to be in the hospital? What was it like to be on a ventilator? And everybody was asking these questions. And I just couldn't explain it in five minutes or 10 minutes. And I really wanted to just write my story and share what it was like. And especially because I had never heard of GBS before and none of my family and friends had. And I wanted to bring awareness that, you know what, this is GBS and this is what happens and this is what it does to somebody. And it's so much more than just being paralyzed, stuck in bed. There was so much that I went through. And so I wanted to really outline that. Um, I wrote the book and then, um, you know, it just from there, like after I recovered, I put out some YouTube videos of my recovery. And uh, those ended up going viral. And so I've just had so many people over the years reach out to me, asking me questions about GBS and doctors reaching out to me, thanking me for bringing awareness. And so that's really what the book is uh, is about. It's to bring awareness to GBS, to really explain what it's like and to help educate even doctors and, and medical professionals that work with it because there's so many people that really don't understand it as well. And then obviously the biggest reason is just providing that hope I know when I was in ICU, I truly didn't believe I was going to get out of there. And then I did. Right. And so I just want to show other people that, you know, what, I, I did it and you have to have hope. And even though it's so hard and it feels like you're never going to get out of ICU or you're never going to recover, you have to just keep moving forward. And I want my story to, to show them that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Way to pay it forward right there. Because we've talked about it a little before. Writing a book is painful. It's not an easy experience. There's a lot goes on in there. We're talking about you're going to turn it into an audio book as well. But hey, after talking to you, there's nothing you can't do. I, I'm not putting anything past you. I mean, if you get through that, you can get through anything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how can we find the book? What's the best way to p- pick up a copy?
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, either my website, it's hollyaftergbs.com. It's also on Amazon as well. So we've got a soft cover and then um, an ebook as well. And then the audio book will be coming out in a few months. Uh, And then I'm also on social media as well. So just kind of depending on what you're looking for. I'm on Facebook and then I'm on Instagram and TikTok. And then I also have a YouTube channel, which is more aimed at GBS survivors. So just if you're like a GBS survivor looking for information or you're somebody that deals with um, an illness and you're wanting to look for just inspiration uh, or you're just wanting to follow along and see where I'm at, then you can uh, check me out wherever.
0: Okay, cool. I'll link all those in show notes in case you're like me, you, can, you don't spell very well and all that. So you can just click on it. So you can go down show notes. So hey, if you're listening right now and and you're inspired by this, maybe you know someone going through a hard time, please share Holly's story with them. Share her, share her book with them that, hey, then you never know what, who you could help which is by sharing their story or sharing your story. Let, be like Holly and be like the man that went and visited her. If you're going through something, pay it forward somebody needs your inspiration that, that, that you've walked through something and came out on the other end. And that's what Holly's doing. Thank you for coming on and, and you go on podcast and, and this book. It, you're going to change someone's life.
1: That's absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on today.
0: It was great to meet you. Hey, Let's go out and, and uh, share this episode, get pick up a copy of the book and we'll keep following along on TikTok and the Snapchat and Facebook, whatever the kids are on these days. So <laughs> Holly, keep up the great work. I'm, I'm really inspired by you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right. You guys have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Relentless Positivity Podcast. Wow, what a great episode, you share that with somebody. I'm gonna share with you some awesome sponsors. Mick Williams Marketing, they can help your business grow. Regardless of the size of the project, you're gonna get a solution that is specifically created for you and your business. No cookie cutter, one size fits approach here. So Amy and her band of fearless marketers can help you with all that stuff that you think you can do but you're not really that good at it, you don't have time for it, they can do that, they're the experts, it's what they do. Web design, online conversion optimization, SEO, uh, graphic design, marketing, page management, all that stuff. Go let them do that. Don't handle that yourself. Go check them out at mcwilliamsmarketing.com. See what all they can do. They're amazing people. Teek Patnick with Patnick Realty. He really does it all in the real estate world. General real estate sales, acquisitions, property management, investments, all that good stuff. You're not just a transaction with Teek. He really wants to build a relationship for life with you. He has built his whole business on prayer, hard work ethic, honesty, and results. You can trust Patnick Realty with all your real estate needs. Hey, I trust my brother from another mother, Teek, and you should too. Give him a call, 256-694-0117, or email him at teak at patnickco.com. Hey, these are awesome businesses. Go support them. They're out supporting positivity, and they will do you right. Have an awesome day.